Good morning and welcome to Ask BBB. I'm Jim Swan. And I'm Jennifer Matthews. Jennifer is the CEO of BBB Serving Western Ontario. QR codes have been in the news lately as the province has moved to create them for proof of vaccination. Once you have the QR code, you can see how simple it is to share information. QR codes have been helping businesses make their way throughout the pandemic, and later this morning, we'll look at other examples of how they are used and where you can find information to help create them. And here's a bit of information that people already know but don't want to hear. (laughs) Winter is coming. And of course, if you're a skier, a skater, or a snow removal uh, business, you likely feel okay with winter. And Austin Pitcher of Pitcher Perfect Groundskeeping, Inc., will join us later to talk about, among other things, what to expect in a snow removal contract. And besides finding our boots, scarves, gloves when the temperature plummets and the snow flies, we want to make sure our vehicle is set to get us where we need to go. Here to give us some pointers on that front is Bob Ward, owner of the Auto Guys in St. Thomas. Good morning, Bob, and welcome to Ask BBB. Good morning, Jennifer and Jim. So, Bob, during COVID isolation and work from home, we have not been driving as much as we normally have. What are some of the impacts that this has on car maintenance? Well, the the number one thing is that um, cars don't like to sit very long. They deteriorate quite rapidly. Um, Rust moves in and affects a lot of parts. And uh, you get to get some new tenants in your car sometimes if it sits. There's rodents move in this time of year and uh, insects start to take over it. So there's a lot of things that that affect the operation of the car. Um, Tires develop flat spots in them. Um, Batteries in the car lose their charge. And sometimes even fuel quality is affected uh, when cars sit too long. But the, the number one thing is that when people drive their car after sitting for a while, they'll complain about the brakes being rough or um, it's rough driving down the road because it's, you know, just that it's just like us when we get out of bed in the morning, sometimes we don't move around so quick and it takes us a while to get, to get uh, loosened up a bit. Well, a car is exactly the same. So what would you recommend then if you think your car might be sitting for a while to, you know, prevent some issues? Before the car sits, you take it in to get it serviced and get it checked all over, get fresh fluids in it because that's the best thing for the car. Cars don't like to sit with dirty oil in them. And with the advent of extended oil change intervals now, it's very, very important that you keep the oil clean and fresh because no matter what the manufacturers say about how long the oil life interval should be, it's a proven fact that if you add one more oil change a year, you'll extend the life of your car dramatically with that minor investment because we all know what cars are worth today. And so are people keeping their cars longer now? They are for several reasons. One is with the economy the way it is, people are kind of reluctant to get into um, payments of any kind. And um, there's there's security with the economy. They know what their car is like. And if you've been maintaining it over the long haul, an investment of a couple thousand dollars a year in your car, that's like two or three or four monthly payments on a new car. So what we're finding is that people are, yes, they're saying, you know what, I'm going to get that repair done. I can drive my car for another year. That's a good investment. And when people are looking at that uh, as an investment um, platform, uh, it makes sense of them. 
And plus with the, the new vehicles, I mean, my goodness, the technology in cars has changed so much over the last few years. They are very difficult to work on. And the skill level required to work on them um, is significant. And guess what? Along with that technology comes higher repair costs. So people are also, um, I'm going to say, adverse to buying a new car with the prospect of having expensive car repairs. Yes, cars are made better now, but if they do break down, um, it can be a costly venture if it's not in warranty. So we mentioned winter when we started this. It, we know mm-hmm. it's coming. Uh, and Bob, besides the, the question of winter tires or no winter tires and when to install them, are there other maintenance items that we should schedule now before that snow starts? Most definitely. The winter season is without a doubt the hardest season on our vehicle. The entire vehicle should be inspected and serviced for winter driving. If you're going to be keeping your car, it would be a worthwhile investment to have it undercoated and um, protect it from the corrosion that we get. But the biggest thing is the battery and electrical system, because that's what really takes a beating in the wintertime. Um, the days are, are shorter and we're finding ourselves driving with all the lights and everything on and the heater on and everything. And that puts a strain on the electrical system. And the whole heart of the electrical system is the battery. That's where it's stored. So if you take your car into a service facility, they should be doing a a favor of testing your battery every single time the car comes in because nobody likes a breakdown. And if you can um, prevent that by catching a battery in the early stages of failure, then you're going to save yourself that call of phoning CAA or your service facility to get it towed. If the battery starts to get low, the alternator has to work overtime to keep that battery up and that can burn the alternator out. And if you think a battery is expensive, you'll get your eyes open a little bit when you price a new alternator. So So preventive maintenance is key. So speaking about that preventive, preventative maintenance, what should people budget for regular maintenance and repairs for their car? That's a good question, Jennifer, because, um, a lot of people don't. And, and when you buy a new car, it's a very interesting thing. The times that I've bought new cars, none of the salespeople, they don't know my background. None of the salespeople have told me what the maintenance requirements are for your car. I mean, nothing is a big surprise than taking in your old car that you're used to paying $60, $70 for an oil change and finding out your new car takes synthetic oils and a very special filter. And now that oil change is over $200. Okay. You want to make sure your heart medication is up to par when you buy them and you get them serviced the first time. So the thing is that um, all of the fluids in the cars and everything do require regular service and inspection. And even if your car takes um, say some oil change intervals are anywhere from 10,000 up to 25,000 for some European cars. Sometimes that can take a person a year and a half, maybe two years to put that on, but your car still needs to get looked at in between. So even though it may not need servicing, it still needs inspecting. Because don't forget, we depend on our vehicles. So don't skimp on maintenance and don't skimp on cheap products for your cars. Because now cars are getting so sophisticated the manufacturers are putting uh, fail-safe items on the cars, 
computers on the cars will recognize if you overfill the oil or you don't put the right oil in it now. And that's key because the manufacturers want to protect their investment and make sure it's being maintained properly. Bob, you've really uh, pointed out a number of things that we will want to pay attention to over the next uh, few weeks so we're ready for winter. Thanks very much for your time here this morning on Ask BBB. My pleasure. Bob Ward is the owner of the Auto Guys in St. Thomas, an accredited business with the Better Business Bureau with an A-plus rating. Look them up in the BBB directory where you'll get complete information and links to their website and social media pages. Snow. We know it's coming but we don't know when or how much. Right after the break, we'll talk about how to get rid of it. Welcome back to Ask BBB. I'm Jim Swan with Jennifer Matthews, who is the CEO of BBB Serving Western Ontario. Tomorrow is Halloween, and a week from today, we turn back the clocks. So you know it won't be long before we are dreaming of a white Christmas or a marshmallow world. Well, the white stuff looks great on cards and movie screens, but not so great on sidewalks driveways and parking lots to talk about what to look for in a snow removal contract we welcome austin pitcher owner of pitcher perfect groundskeeping inc good morning austin and thanks for joining us this morning well thanks for having me so before we talk about snow removal what are some of the things we should be doing to prepare our lawns and gardens for the winter well generally speaking you do want to get your grasses cut back Prior to the snow, uh, first frost usually indicates the grasses have stopped growing. And at that point, you want to get the grasses cut back. Generally, it's better to have the shorter grass. Going into the winter season gives you a little bit more time in the spring to get ready for the first cuts. Um, helps keep disease and that type of thing down, mold out of the grass. So definitely want to get your grass cut back. Other than gardens, depending on what you have in the gardens, the different vari variations, uh, some require cutbacks in the fall, some are the spring. Generally, we like to do most of our cutbacks in the fall just due to the mess that it makes, and then you get a fresh start for the spring. So what kind of problems might we encounter if we don't get the leaves raked and off of our lawn before snow? Well, I mean, there, there is a thought. A lot of people out there are leaving the leaves longer to get some nutrition out of the leaves into the lawn. You definitely want to get the majority off before the snow um, hits us. Again, it's dealing with a matter of do you want to clean up the mess in the spring or the fall. You definitely want to keep an eye on the um, city drains around your property. Make sure you're not plugging up any of the city drains. A good reason to remove the leaves. But certainly get the majority of the leaves off. Uh, first couple of cuts, once the leaves start coming down, it's kind of nice to mulch the leaves in the lawn, get some nutrition that way. And then do your final rake up as uh, we approach that time of year. So when it comes to snow removal, what options are there for contracts? Well, if we're talking residential snow removal, there's a couple of different scenarios. Some contracts will be offered by the push, what we call by the push, which is they come and they charge every time they visit. Some is a flat rate. Generally, it's a five-month flat rate. So you pay for November through to March. Preferences either way. Um, some of the issues may be, you know, what's, what equipment are they using? You know, what's, what type of surface your driveway is, what your expectations are. So there's a lot of things you need to address prior to deciding on a contractor coming in. What, what should we expect in terms of uh, timing of snow removal once that contract is in place? Well, 
And I think that comes down to expectations and open communications between the customer and the contractor. Is it expected to be a 6 or 7 a.m. clearing? Is it expected to be at a certain accumulation? In the industry, um, as a rule, it's a five centimeter accumulation for snow, and then the contractors will come out and clear the snow. A uh, question might be, are they coming out once five centimeters hits? And then if an additional five centimeters hits, are they coming out a second time? Or is the agreement once the snow stops, the contractor comes out and clears the snow? One thing to keep in mind is, uh, I know this conversation of it changing, but right now I believe the city clears snow at 15 centimeters going into the subdivisions. The exception to that would be your bus routes and your main arteries, which are cleared a lot sooner. That being said, you're gonna get accumulation at the end of the driveways in some locations more than others. Will the contractor come back multiple times to clear those? Bus routes are a perfect example. If you are living directly on a bus route, then you're gonna get more snow accumulation than people living deeper into a subdivision that often don't even see the snow plow more than a few times a year. So you really need to communicate with your contractor as far as your expectations and the service they provide. If everybody knows everything going into the agreement, there's gonna be a lot less stress. So a lot of contractors will come out for residential clearing once the snow stops. That could mean you're into a mid morning to early afternoon clearing and it's done before you get home from work. Is that your expectation or is your expectation to have it cleared before you leave for work? That can be very challenging when we get into the later snowfalls. Last year was a good example. We had three or four snowfalls that didn't start till three or four o'clock in the morning and we're still going at six. The expectation there can't be that the driveway is cleared by six or 7 a.m. So there has to be a really good open communication between the clients and the contractor. And speaking to those expectations and communications, should we be looking to see anything in that contract that would address damage to the driveway? And I'm thinking of, paving stones and stamped concrete, do they require different equipments or methods? 100%. So your standard asphalt or your standard driveway is very difficult to damage, regardless of the equipment you're using. Curbs would be, if you have curbs running up your driveway, that's definitely something you'd want to address with your contractor. But an asphalt or concrete driveway, I'm not going to say you're indestructible, but they are very durable. When you get into a stamped concrete, or paving stone driveway. There are very specific contractors that can address those. You do not want a, typically a contractor is gonna use a tractor or a pickup truck or whatever it might be, depending on their business model to clear your driveway. If it is a stamped concrete or paving stone, there are edges on the plows or the snow blowers, whatever they might be using, that will not scratch or damage those pavers or stamped concrete. A side note to that might be if it's an older driveway with pavers and those pavers are lifting a little bit, then a piece of equipment is going to possibly lift that stone up and cause damage. That would be something very hard for the contractor to be held responsible for. If they put a blade, and I say blade, I'm referring to a snow plow, 
onto a stamped concrete driveway, they are going to scratch it and scratch it quite badly. So again, that comes down to the communication. When you're speaking with a contractor, you need to let them know what kind of driveway, along with the size, obviously, of what your surface is and what equipment they have in place to protect that surface. And if they don't follow through with that, then certainly uh, the contractor would be liable for damages. Um, obviously, you want to make sure they are um, insured, both for liability and for damages. I certainly recommend finding somebody that's in that area that focuses on your area, because again, that could come down to time responses. Certainly get references. You know, are they accredited? Obviously, um, you know, there's a lot to be said for the accreditation through the BBB. But as much as that, you want to find out from neighbors. The more a contractor has in a smaller area, the better service they can offer you. And that does make a huge difference. We'll keep that in mind. Well, Austin, you've provided some really good insight into lawn preparation and uh, snow removal. We want to thank you for your time here on Ask BBB this morning. Well, again, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. We've been talking to Austin Pitcher, the owner of Pitcher Perfect Groundskeeping, Inc., and you can learn about the A-plus rated accredited business by consulting the BBB directory at bbb.org. QR codes, good for more than just proof of vaccination. More in a moment. And we are back with the final portion of Ask BBB. I'm Jim Swan with co-host Jennifer Matthews, the CEO of BBB Serving Western Ontario. Jennifer, we've all become more aware of QR codes over the past couple of weeks after they were introduced as a quick way to show proof of vaccination. We have. And in fact, QR codes made a big comeback early on in the pandemic as businesses used them to reduce physical contact or to make their business completely contactless. The BBB put together some tips on how to use QR codes back in August, and the information is readily available on the BBB.org website. Okay, here's a fairly basic question, Jennifer. What does QR stand for? QR stands for quick response. The QR code looks and acts like a lot like a barcode, but they are a distinctive square shape filled with dots and small squares. When you hold your smartphone over the code, it quickly takes you to an information link that can lead you to a website, a PDF of a restaurant menu, a Facebook page, or whatever whatever information you want the customer to have. So what are some examples of that? So one of the examples is if you own a restaurant, QR codes on tables can direct customers to your menu. They can place their orders and sometimes even pay their bills. Scanning that code minimizes contact with reusable menus and can reduce interactions with servers. If your small business sells physical products, strategically placed QR codes can direct potential customers to an online shop, an order form, an app, where they can make those purchases on their mobile device. Or if your small business offers services, You can use QR codes that link to informational videos explaining what you do and the fees you charge. Do you have to be an IT expert to be able to set these QR codes up, Jennifer? No, you don't. The BBB article has a step-by-step guide that walks you through the process, starting with the selection for a QR code generator to sharing that code. Jennifer, the QR code means that we're sharing information on the internet. So I'm I'm sure that there are some cautions that we should be aware of. 
There are, and the article points out that you should make sure to use a reputable QR generator. As always, be careful with your personal information. That QR generator will need your email address, but they shouldn't be asking for your home address, your bank account information, or social insurance number. And of course, read that fine print. You shouldn't have to pay for a free service, so look for any reference to charges. And also find out how they will use your email address or other personal or business information. And speaking of information, you can find this full article on the bbb.org website. And that's our time for Ask BBB this week. A reminder that you can contact us anytime on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at BBBWesternONT. Yes, and we are always glad to hear from our listeners. So if you have a comment or a question or a guest suggestion, tweet us at hashtag AskBBB. And thanks for listening this morning. I'm Jim Swan. And I'm Jennifer Matthews. Remember to Ask BBB. And start with trust.